Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to another episode of Within the Lines, coming at you on Wednesday, January 12th, 2022. Today, since the movie landscape is a little bit dry right now, we are taking our trip down Oscar Lane, or at least what we think will be Oscar Lane, considering the nominations are not out yet. We are reviewing The Power of the Dog, starring Benedict Cumberbatch, Jesse Plemons, Kirsten Dunst, Cody Smith, Smith? McPhee? I thought it was Smith, it's Smith. Um, okay. On Netflix, it's a Netflix film. It's getting a lot of Oscar buzz. Um, so we, we decided during this uh, kind of dry spell to catch up on that. That way when Oscars, you know, all that happens, we're, uh, we're educated, Ty. Yeah, we're ahead of the curve. Yeah, because uh, last year we weren't very educated. But last year was different. It was 2020, so there wasn't any as many great movies. So I don't know. I'm excited. I, it seems like we have different opinions just on the little bit. We've talked about it before recording. So uh should make for a good conversation. Sixty percent of the time, it works every time. Don Samos. What? We just become best friends. Yup. I don't feel so good. Smash! I'm not fucking leaving. The show goes on. A domineering rancher responds with mocking cruelty when his brother brings home a new wife and her son until the unexpected comes to pass. I sure that that was this movie. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, Before we jump into the power of the dog, though, there's just a there's a very highly anticipated thing we need to talk about, Ty, that I I just became aware of. This is um, some breaking news for the within the lines uh, listeners, because, you know, they they care about this stuff. It might not be big news for everyone else. Um, do you know this news? Let's type? hear it. No, I don't. I don't know what the fuck's coming next. The review is in. Armin White has reviewed Don't Look Up. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. He definitely gave it a rotten, right? Yes. Fuck yeah. Nailed that shit. Yeah, he, he gave it a rotten and his um, Rotten Tomatoes, like just the little review that's part of the big review it mm-hmm. just says, the film's negativity indicts McKay and insults his audience. That's it. <laughs> okay. Fuck yeah. Um, I... 
he just okay so again we got we got a little bit political in that episode it's very clear that they're making fun of donald trump right and yeah listen to this sentence given streep's strained buffoonery we might realize how the media coddles puppet president joe for the express purpose of holding on to power oh okay (laughs) he's not smart i don't think (laughs) he uses big words ty so please respect him yeah he's he's really good at using his his fucking thesaurus and making himself sound smart but yeah, I mean that was aggressively not not this was written like before Biden's pre- presidency. Yeah, I, I I'm trying to read more. I and, can, yeah, I can see more. I can see like a Clinton maybe like they tried to like bash Clinton a little bit along with Donald Trump, but like uh, okay, all right, guy. Um, we are far ahead of McKay because the world has already happened. The end of liberty, honesty, election integrity. <laughs> science gender and religion an apocalyptic comedy by atheist liberals doesn't even come close to being scary or plausible allegory got it okay i mean i i didn't love the movie but what what do we give it what do we end up giving it hold on here let me check this don't don't look up i'm just gonna i'm gonna control f this because we have so many movie reviews because we're over 100 not to brag it's pretty low. I, it's below the line. Did I not? It's don't look up. Don't. What What the fuck is uh, going 69. on? 69. You gave it a 70. It? I gave it a 68. Don't look up. There we go. Control F. Fucking idiot. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, Armin White. That I movie mean... broke my brain. That movie still breaks my brain thinking about it. Well, you mentioned before the pod that uh, the power of the dog also broke your brain, Ty, because you literally just... just finished watching it, and you weren't even saying much before the pod started. You just seemed so out of words. I was just trying to figure out what the fuck I just watched. I was doing research. I, I... And then you just fucking fire off the bat with another movie that broke my brain, knowing that my brain's already in a blender, and I'm just at a loss for words right now. <laughs> So, The Power of the Dog, if you didn't get the idea of the movie from the synopsis, again, spoilers, of course, as always, if you're recurring within the lines listener, you know this. It is it is a, a Western, but it's not so much a Western. It's like a, a Western drama. It literally says drama slash West, Western on Rotten Tomatoes. And yep. it is this story, and it's, it's a slow fucking burn. Like, just right off the bat, this is a slow burn movie. And as someone with a small brain like myself... Um, I usually don't appreciate slow burn movies. I'm usually like whatever about them. I actually, you know, spoiler, enjoyed this. This was, you know, unique in its own right. But it's this story of these brothers, these ranchers. You have Benedict Cumberbatch, which is like the typical cowboy, you know, masculine. And his brother, Jesse Plemons' character, George, he marries a widow. The widow has a son, Peter, who goes to school. He's not as masculine. And then it's kind of just this dynamic between Benedict's character, Phil, and Peter, the boy, you know, Peter not being the masculine one, Phil, you know, the opening scene of the movie pretty much, he's, you know, fucking with them and everything. Um, and yeah. just kind of their relationship and how that turns. And then, you know, Peter's kind of slow kind of uh, manipulation of Phil and, you know, what Phil is hiding underneath his uh, his cowboy manly man demeanor. So um, it, it's a movie that makes you think um, if you miss some stuff, like, because there's like, 
cues here and there about, you know, what's beneath the surface and, you know, it, it makes you think. And if you miss some of those things, you know, you might just be lost. Like, Oh, literally nothing is happening. You made, you said before we recorded, you know, it felt like nothing happened. Um, mm -hmm. there's definitely some subtlety to it and it, it is adapted off a book. And I'm sure in the book, I don't know if it's told first person, third person, obviously there's more room to describe things. And, you know, whereas in a movie you can't, you don't have a narrator saying they, they could have went that route, but it would have taken away from it. So, you know, they kind of have to subtly add those things. I don't know. Overall, you know, I thought it was a very intriguing watch. I, I didn't think I was going to like it. I do think the first half was a little slow at times, but I thought, you know, it picked up towards, you know, once, you know, we saw Peter and Phil kind of interacting more. And I, I was very interested. I really was. Yeah, it was, it was weird because like, it's very, very, a lot of stuff goes unspoken. Um, yeah. You have to be paying attention to detail and catch all the little things and passing comments and what's happening on screen. And there's so much of it that a hundred percent makes sense that it's a book, but it's this dramatic movie that builds like tension with the score and everything. And it's, it's very fucking artsy, like in terms of the story they're trying to tell. Um, it's not going to be like a fucking blockbuster movie type thing where, you know, it's exciting to watch. It's a, it's a fucking thinker for sure. Yeah. It's definitely a thinker. And it, it's a movie where I was instantly looking up things, you know, af after the, the movie was over, I was reading articles, you know, the, the typical, this movie ending explained and all these themes explained and everything. Um, you know, and I think that might've helped the enjoyment a little bit, just kind of doing that base level research that you didn't get the opportunity to have, um, because we jumped straight into this podcast. Um, Tyler got a little schedule conflict. He watched the wrong movie this week. Um, <laughs> and I only noticed because you tweeted out about how good this movie was. And I was like, why the fuck's he watching this movie? Did he watch the wrong movie? And then I realized I watched the wrong movie. That was a bold move by you, Ty. Like, not not bold. That was a uh, – I respect it because you could have just flipped the sheet around and been like, hey, Jay, you watched the wrong movie. <laughs> going to turn the tables on you. <laughs> um, no, but I, I did – you know, I read some things about it and just kind of like – you know, and it explained some of, I, I guess, the themes from the book and like kind of pointed out some of those things they, they were dropping along the way, which I definitely picked up. But like I almost felt a little uh, – you know, I felt satisfied by it, by reading that. Cause like I picked up these cues, not all, maybe not all of them, but I picked up kind of like the, the overall theme they were doing. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, when I was reading, I was like, Oh, okay. So I wasn't picking up on something that wasn't there. Like, so, um, but yeah. And like this morning too, like you said, it's a thinker movie. I was thinking about this movie this morning. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go back and rewatch it. It's not a rewatchable movie. It's not something you're going to want to sit down and watch again, but like, it's something you're going to think about again for sure. And at least, my experience with it yeah the sh like the most shocking thing for me is the rotten tomatoes like and the audience score because this seems like such a movie that like you like this movie or you don't and it's getting such good reception from everyone who's watched it yeah it really is um and i don't know if that's the acting by benedict i don't know if that's you know a lot of these slow burn movies at least the ones that i don't like it's you don't get the payoff. You don't get the the gratis the the gratification, and this you yeah. kind of did get the payoff. And the twist at the end, you know, where again, spoiler, we find out Peter poisoned, um, you know, Benedict, and it kind of the whole thing comes full circle. And literally, the first line of this movie is Peter's dialogue. You know, it's just like him narrating, and he said, like, you know, when my father died, I swore I would do anything to keep my mom happy, or whatever it is. And then, like, 
you know, so you have that happen. It just happens suddenly. And then it's kind of comes full circle and you're like, Oh, like this whole, that whole time he was fucking like manipulating him. And you know, he saw his mom was struggling with the alcoholism and everything. And it just, I don't know. It came full circle in a way where it's like, we've complained about movies. Um, what was that movie? It was February of last year. It was the what, like the first HBO Max movie with Jared Leto, Denzel Washington. Oh God! Oh, oh! The movie fucking... you forgot existed. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's gonna piss me off. The Little Things. And yeah, that's that's the one. We we complained in that movie that you know they they were trying almost too hard to come to that full loop conclusion. We're like kind of forcing things in there to be like oh and this and that. Whereas this felt really organic and it was like. I didn't see it coming. Excuse me. I just burped. And it was just, I don't know. I, I, I think that's why people might've liked it more. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and again, my immediate reaction was what the fuck did I just watch? And like you said, going through and reading things and seeing how they did it, it, it is, it's a different way of doing it. Cause typically you have these things where if someone's like planning this murder and planning on killing this guy, like, they make it very known. Like, you're following what would be the Peter character here around the entire movie and seeing him plotting out the details and stuff, and you're like, oh, shit, he's going to kill this guy. And, and this one doesn't do that. It's very much like he's doing things, he's learning, and then the twist happens, and then you reflect back, and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I, I don't know. It's It was different, and, like, the again, I finished watching this 10 minutes ago. Um <laughs> My score has raised significantly since in those ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe we should have done because we're recording both sports and movie back to back today. Maybe we should have done sports first. Let let it settle in your brain a little bit. Um, but no, yeah, that's a good point. Like you know, you don't you're not thinking the whole time. Hey, he's gonna kill him. Um, I I almost thought the contrary because there's a lot of you know, um, Benedict Cumberbatch's character. The the kind of story behind him is he's this manly man cowboy, but he's he's gay. I mean they. they all but said it, you know, that he's gay in this film. Um, yeah. And the whole time I thought what was going to happen was it was going to be something like, you know, Bronco Henry, which was the guy he idolized that he always talked about. You know, I, I didn't know if it, it, Bronco Henry, like, abused him sexually and then Benedict was going to abuse Peter sexually and then Peter was going to kill him. I did think in some way that Peter would – kill like something was going to happen to Cumberbatch one way or another I thought it was going to be something along those lines like Bronco and Cumberbatch kind of had that relationship Bronco maybe abused him and then Cumberbatch killed him and that was the twist like oh and now Peter does this and maybe Peter's going to turn into this guy but they didn't even go that direction but just even the little things like him catching the fucking bunny you know in the trap and then like you know like it's a small thing but I don't know just seeing him handle the animal and like I don't know it felt like everything was intentional in this film yeah, and there's a lot of, like, looking back on it, subtle lines, like when um, Benedict Cumberbatch's character, like, cuts his hand, and they're sitting there talking after he kills the bunny, he's like, oh, my father was scared I was too mean, or something like that. And, and like, that, and the scene combined with him, like, oh, look how cute this bunny is, oh, I'm just gonna casually kill it, and not give a fuck. <laughs> and, like, you know, <laughs> he, we, well, the one he snaps, and then the one he catches earlier in the movie... And then, like, yeah. you know, is, like, showing his mom, like, it's a pet. And they're like, oh, I'm going to go feed the pet. And you go out there, and he's just dissecting it. Yeah. Like, it showed that, like, he he doesn't care. Like, he, he views the living animals in a different way, almost to where, like, he, manip you know, uses them. And then he manipulates uh, – it's Phil, right? Benedict Cumberbatch character? Yeah. Right. I'm going to go with Phil. He yeah. manipulates Phil. Yeah, it is. 
And then it's just like, yeah, I'm just going to kill this fucking guy. And it's just so casual. And like his demeanor reflects the story being told there. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. Let's dive into it. We've talked about it enough. Plot slash story tie. I've jumped around on this number quite a lot. Um, It went up. It went down. It went back up. I landed and I, I landed at a 17, 17 out of 20. Okay. Just for all the reasons we said, the subtleties of it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I don't know how much else more there is to say. Um, but yeah, just, just the way, like I said, it's making me think afterwards, the way, you know, I thought about this movie, the way that they had all those thematic elements that they wanted to put in with, you know, almost, you know, commentary on, you know, toxic masculinity and, you know, Armin White's review, which we'll touch on later is quite hilarious because he sees it in a different light, but like, you know, those, those toxic masculinity and all that, and the way it's all just kind of woven in there in an organic fresh way and then the twist at the end that actually makes sense and how it's set up and like it's a story that's told and you can almost tell that it's it's a book i mean you could tell like you know there's deeper themes that are being explored here that are easier to explore in a book and i thought just the way they did it was really strong there wasn't your your typical climax and everything like i said i thought maybe the first half of the movie was a little dull at times but overall i mean i I really liked the story they put together here so full transparency, firing this off right after the movie, I gave it a name. Um, <laughs> talking about it and, and just reading stuff and seeing all the little things and even me like putting two and two together and different things, I'm at a 15 right now. Okay. <laughs> um, it has raised seven points, almost doubling its original score. <laughs> um, I... It, all the subtlety in the way it's told is is very, very, very effective for that ending when you look back on it. With that being said, it's a fucking slow burn, man. And, and that isn't going to change. And it's very, the pacing is very, you know, when you watch a movie and you can tell it's a book, sometimes that's good, sometimes it isn't. And you can tell how much it's, you know, stuff where the reader is getting so much more detail and information than you are watching it until you like sit there and meticulously dissect everything that's going on in every scene. Um, but it's still very slow and it, it you know, it, it has its ins and outs, but it just kind of is meandering throughout until you realize the purpose of all of it. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I don't know if that's makes it like a fucking incredible story or not. I, again, I, I, this movie, fucking hell this movie i'm just we gotta go back to watching stupid movies <laughs> um but this was your idea by the way um yeah no i just it, it's redeeming and you, you you're making good points that yeah it does feel a little like you're meandering at points and you know you might not be you're not getting the full information that maybe a, a reader would be getting if they're reading the book of this film um but, you know, at the end of the day, it, it all felt rede- redeemed. I mean, those last, like, three minutes of the movie um, redeems it and just the way his funeral is. And, you know, you see the doctor being like, I think it's anthrax. And then, like, you know, as, as a, a viewer of the movie, you're slowly putting it together. And then you see Peter uh, handling the, the lasso with the rope, whatever it is, with the gloves on because of the anthrax. And it, it just, I don't know, I felt 
it felt like I, I felt like redeemed, you know, while watching it. And I think if you don't do that right, maybe it's not as high of a score. But I don't know. I, I liked what they did here. Yeah, and I think part of it for me too is the climax happens so fast, and it's just like boom, he's dead, and that kind of catches you off guard to where you're like, oh, that's it, and then it continues on, and you like are like, oh shit, that's, and you know that again, like you said, it redeems it, but just the meandering throughout, and then the instantaneous, oh shit, um, you know I. I like movies that build up and kind of give me a little insight into what's going on ahead of time. Um, but this is a different type of story being told. And I think they did a fairly good job. Yeah, for sure. Visuals, cinematography, Ty. I gave it a, let me click over to my sheets real quick. I lost it. An 18 out of 20, my good sir. Okay. I'm chilling. I, this one didn't change. It was a 17 from the get-go. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's it's not MCU. You're not getting CGI. You're not getting, you know, all these other things. Um, but what you are getting is you're getting a very well-put-together movie with a, a very good score and, you know, camera work and the setting was fantastic. And, you know, the, the way they manipulated the camera with the score. Just there's there's tension in this movie at various points. And it's a lot to do because of the cinematography in this film. Um, it was great, man. I mean, just I, I really liked what they did. It, it's a really well put together artsy type of film. And it's not hard to see why it's getting Oscar buzz. Yeah. And like you said, it's not CGI. It's not, you know, incredible court, you know, fight choreography or that kind of stuff. But with the story being as, you know, kind of meandering and just kind of going about it as it is, there's so much tension in little scenes here and there. And it's, it's the, the score and and the sound that they add to it to just build the tension in these kind of inconsequential moments that you feel everything so much more. And I think if you have the wrong people making this movie with the same story, it's, it's a fucking nightmare. Um, it, you know, it's terrible, but the way they do it so precisely and, and, you know, build up the tension in the moments where it needs to be, um, with the score. And then you get the shots, you know, the setting and everything looks good and the wide sweeping shots of the land and everything like it, it just creates this movie that, you know, it is very artsy in its own way. And I did appreciate that. That's good. I'm I'm glad you didn't you didn't need uh to talk through that part of it to appreciate that. But no, yeah, and I mean certain scenes in particular, uh, mostly towards the end of the film that really stand out in my mind. There's the one where he's building the rope. You get the shot of his hands underwater to kind of emphasize that before we even know it's a big deal. Um, and then you get the shots of them like smoking the cigarette together, and you know, kind of the 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 way the camera panned around that and everything, and just you know the the tension building up and kind of the you know, the, 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 the tension between the characters, you feel it yourself, you know, and they never explicitly come out and say that Phil is, you know, gay and fighting these, you know, with toxic masculinity and everything. But I mean, you feel the tension, you kind of understand both characters understand they're going through, you know, they're on the same page. And a lot of that is done with the acting and with the cinematography. Yeah. I I think a significant part of it is with that cinematography. And and like you said, the smoking thing, like it builds that, you know, kind of unspoken sexual tension and it's aggressively unspoken. Cause even he, he says like, were you guys laying together naked? 
And he just laughs and doesn't answer it. And it's never once said, and it's never like any lines. But again, it's all the details you get from just watching it and seeing the books of the guys and getting the subtext of, you know, why he's so fascinated with this this um, Henry Bronco, Bronco Henry character. And, you know, realizing like, oh, he was his mentor, but also kind of probably like his lover at some point. Yeah. And, and then he lost him. And that's why he's so obsessed with him, not just because he was the mentor he looked up to, but also, you know, quote unquote, his best friend um which you know in that day and age like it, it can't you can't say any more than that really and yeah. especially with this facade of what he's built and the you know person he is um and, and so much of that is done with the visuals and and what it focuses on and and how they you know work everything into it that you're watching that you can't get you know you, when you read a book you're reading all this stuff all of that is put into the visuals in this yep absolutely Key elements, this is where I struggle again. Sometimes it could be the biggest blessing for a movie. Sometimes it could be, you know, it can hurt a movie because it's almost like the key elements aren't totally uh, identifiable. Um, this is a dramatic Western film. It's not really a traditional Western. You think Western, you think of Adam West, you think, you know, things of that nature. Just because they're cowboys, you know, it's a Western by association. Is Adam West a Western guy? I think so. <laughs> I know he was Batman. Maybe he not was Batman. Maybe, maybe and he I'm... was the guy in Fairly Odd Parents. He played like the cat superhero. <laughs> you know what I think of when I think of Western Jay? What? Clint Eastwood. Oh, Cry Macho. Yeah. <laughs> I think this movie through two categories already has a higher score than Cry Macho. Um, no, but you know, it, this doesn't have some of those elements that you might think of initially when you think of a, you know, a Western film. Um, but it is very dramatic and, you know, it, it's kind of carving in its own path and the, the cinematography is there. And that's absolutely part of the key elements for a movie like this. And it, it, the acting has to be really good. And that, I don't know if that's key elements. I don't know. I gave it a 16 because I feel like it was the movie it wanted to be. But what it was was almost in its own kind of unique thing. So that's why I kind of capped out at a 16. I don't think anyone's going to be talking about this film as like fantastic western or something i mean it it won the golden globe for best drama so maybe we're just considering it a drama i don't know i gave it a 16 yeah it's it's a drama it's kind of a fucking murder mystery it's it's i i don't know it's a lot of things um but i gave it a 17 and and i look back at movies that were so well received and stuff that kind of come to mind and uncut gems um with the tension it creates in these different scenes and stuff in uncut gems and so much of it's about the score and everything that's happening to where it's these small moments that feel so much bigger. And that's what this movie was trying to do. And while I may not have loved how the story progressed, it was very direct in what they were attempting and, and how they were trying to go about it and creating that tension and shit throughout in this drama. Um, I, I think it, they did it very well. And I think that's what they were trying to achieve like you said, and make it its own kind of unique thing. And that that's 100% part of the reason why it's getting so much critical love is because it is this unique artsy-type film that tells a story in its own way. Um, and I I appreciated that part of it, for sure. Yeah, Uncut Gems is a, is a pretty decent comparison because it's similar, but it's different. It's similar in, in the regards you mentioned, you know, trying to build up tension, using cinematography, using the score. But this was like a kind of a slow burning tension, you know, where we we the tension was built up throughout the movie, which it was at Uncut Gems as well. But Uncut Gems was 
chaotic and was, you know, you kind of had some of these minor blow off points. Like when he's arguing with his wife, you know, I remember he gets put in the trunk and it's still a very tense yeah. movie. And that last scene in uncut gems is very, very tense. And this is builds tension, but almost with a different end goal. And you almost don't even get the same kind of brash, you know, ending that uncut gems had, you just kind of get this subtle, Hey, this guy fucking murdered him, you know, kind of it's, it's similar, yeah. but different. And, you know, it's carving its own path. So um, that's definitely part of the key elements for sure. Characters, yeah. Ty. What'd you get characters? You tell me first. Okay, so with characters, my biggest takeaway is this movie starts and I'm like, hey, that's Benedict Cumberbatch. He's Doctor Strange. And then it progresses. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's Kristen Dunst. That was MJ. I was like, hey, they were both, you know, it's kind of like Spider-Man relation there. And then she calls her son Peter. And I was like, what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> Um, outside of that, once I moved on from that and actually looked at these actors as characters and not just actors, um, yeah, the acting outside of Benedict Cumberbatch, there wasn't a lot for me to like on it. I'll be honest. Really? Peter was its own quirky character and Benedict Cumberbatch was good, but like the brother, like he just doesn't say much. And obviously that's intentional because like he kind of fucking can't stand his brother in its own sort of way, but still. I, I don't know. There's that weird thing there, but like Jesse Plemons, he does good, but it, there's nothing crazy. Kristen Dunst is, she has her one emotional scene. And outside of that, she's just, you know, an alcoholic doing shit. Um, I, I gave it a 12. Wow. And that's strongly carried by Benedict Cumberbatch. That's a pretty low score, Ty. Not going to lie with you. Um, my score might be substantially higher and you, you make some quality points. And this podcast, you know, not only are we we are in the pursuit to find the best movie ever. That's what I'm just going to say for now on. Um, Love it. But we we help put things in perspective. I mean, your story score went up really high um, just by talking about it. And, you know, I, I got the characters put into perspective a little bit just by you talking. I respect your opinion. I don't think it's 12 levels. But I, I do agree that, you know, Kirsten Dunst was fine. Um, and this is a little mean, Kirsten, if you're listening. I'm sorry, but she looks really old. She's only 39. She looks like she's 50. I don't know what's going on there. Um, Jesse Plemons, okay. Um, I think he's a quality actor. I just think he's okay in this. Um, I I really did like Benedict Cumberbatch, though, and I really did also like Peter, um, the guy whose name I don't recall. Um, Like I said, the the tension built up in the cinematography and the score, you know, it was also built up just, you know, with the small things between Benedict and, you know, that character. And I thought when they were on the screen together, that's why I was telling you, I I think I said this on the podcast. um, It felt a little slow for the first hour, maybe not slow, but just like I was wadding, you know, in unfamiliar waters, maybe not that, I don't know what the fuck that analogy is, but, and then once we get more of, you know, Benedict and, you know, Peter together and interacting and the tension and all that, like that's when the movie really picked up for me. And that's where I was like, okay, I could see where the buzz is. I think, I think Benedict's probably going to get nominated. I don't know if this is a winning performance. We haven't watched all of them yet. We don't even know if he will. Um, supporting, I could absolutely see You know, the other guy getting nominated. I don't know if I liked his performance as much. I'm still going to give him a 16, Ty. I'm, I'm going to give him a 16. You're right. The supporting characters might not have been fantastic, but I think those two alone kind of carry the, the, thing, the movie, and I, I think they're going to get some, some love for it. I really do. Yeah, I, I bumped it up to a 13 just because Benedict Cumberbatch is really, really good in this movie. Yeah, and him playing the asshole, and you just fucking hate him. 
And then that transition to like manipulating and well, like, it seems like he's manipulating Peter while Peter's also manipulating him. Yeah. But even then the, the Peter character, like the stuff he does, you know, is when you look back on it, like his actions are like, Oh shit. The performance doesn't match that for me though. And I think like he plays this unique character who like they all make fun of and everything, but there, there never is anything that he does it's weird for me to say there's nothing the actor does that impresses me. It's more of the character's actions. If that makes sense. Like what the character does in the story creates that through line for me, but what the actor does as that character doesn't add anything to it. I I, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know though. I thought he was pretty decent in like just those 10 scenes where, you know, they're like staring at each other. Like another scene that stands out in my mind and this is more Benedict, but you know, the scene where he finds out the rawhide, you know, she gave away the rawhide and then he gives him the rawhide and then Benedict kind of like grasps, grasps him and, you know, tells him whatever he said. I don't remember what he said, but just, I don't know. It, it was the subtlety of it, you know, I don't know. It felt raw. It felt organic. And I think that's a testament to his performance. It's definitely carried by Benedict. I mean, Benedict, he's should get more buzz than he does as one of the best actors in Hollywood. I mean, he could play these serious roles. He can go play fucking Dr. Strange and he's doing it all with a fucking British accent. I mean, Tom Holland's trying to be like him. I was thinking about that today. I was like, Oh, Benedict's got Dr. Strange and he's got like movies like this. And then Tom Holland does Spider-Man and he has a uh, like devil all the time, which is kind of like, it's a different movie, but the same kind of drama. Let me, you know, play like kind of a, a, a hillbilly different, you know, modern days, but it made me laugh. Yeah. Benedict's like the who Tom Holland's trying to be. <laughs> yeah, I I don't disagree with that. I'm with you there. Um, also, just throwing this out there, Thomas McKenzie is in this movie. She is the girl from Last Night in Soho. Just a very small role for a girl who just like starred in a fairly large movie. Kind of took me off a little bit. I was like, is that her? The main character? Thomas McKenzie? Yeah. Yeah, she's the girl who, like, has all the visions and stuff in Last Night in Soho, like, in the modern day. See, I don't even remember her in this movie. My eyes were closed half the time. Was she the, uh, like, the young maid? Yes, correct. The one who goes to feed the carrot. Okay, she did look familiar. I didn't I didn't put two and two together. Just, like, a very inconsequential role for an actress who, like, just had a very large starring role in, like, a, a well-known director's movie. I was surprised. Hey, hey, if it was a TV show, she would win an, uh, an Emmy like Don Cheadle did for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Fuck yeah. <laughs> um, which joy- brings us to enjoyment. This pod's a little shorter yeah. today, but we only got one movie to talk about. This movie's not part of a film franchise, so we don't get to speculate. I This movie, while I was watching it, there wasn't like a peak enjoyment, like a movie like... I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm going through the list here. That's an unfair movie to I don't know. There there's movies, you know, kind of dumb movies like a, a Free Guy. Let's see. Let's go over to Free Guy's enjoyment. I gave it a 16. Like the peak Free Guy enjoyment um was higher than this just cuz it's it's stupid entertainment. Let's have fun. But this mm-hmm. movie felt second time I'm going to use this word. It gave me more gratification afterwards. Like after everything happened, like I felt like a smarter human for watching it. I felt good about myself that like I enjoyed it because you know with a lot of these artsy movies you know like I want to enjoy them like Nomadland I'm like okay I want to see why people love this and a lot of the times it's like I I don't get it you know and I I felt like oh I got a good film palette now you know I actually like this movie so 
I think in the moment, it's almost like a 14-ish, 13-ish. I'm probably not going to rewatch it again. But this is one of those rare instances where I'm taking into account all the things we talked about because that almost is what determines my enjoyment. I gave it a 16. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm with you and we're talking about it. I did bump this up a point. Now, where I differ is looking back on it and everything, I, I still don't like it. I gave it a 9. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's just, it's so slow. And like, I respect what they're doing, but look, small brain. I don't like it. It ain't for me. Okay. <laughs> I, I wasn't I just, expecting that. I know. I, it's just like, I like, well, I can respect what they did and I can respect the movie they created and looking at the individual aspects of it. Like I, I, I don't mind it. And I think they do very good job on certain parts of it. But fuck me, man. That was it was it wasn't as much of a chore as just I wanted, like you said, there's the gratification from it. I never really like even looking back on it, like it doesn't feel like anything ever while watching it makes it worth the rest for me. And like I I I appreciate what they did and I like the different type of movie. You know, I like them trying to make the different type of movie and like the different aspects of it. But it just ain't for me. That's fair. I mean, our scores were looking very on par. I think I might have been a point or two higher than you. Then we got to those last two categories, and I think we have a difference of uh, like 12. So my final score, Ty, I'm predicting you have a 70. I have it at an 83 out of 100. Ooh, 83 out of 100. Yeah, I was at a 70 until I gave it that extra enjoyment. I'm 71. Okay. I mean, you um, still have it above the line or within the line. I do, and let me, me. – well, yeah, it's it's within the lines, but let me tell you, it was below the line after watching. <laughs> um, I gave it a significant amount of points while talking about it. Probably the most I've ever given on the fly, but this is also like the soonest I've ever reviewed a movie after watching it, so that feels fair. You know, pretty fitting though, Ty, we look at it with an 83 and a 71, comes out to a consensus 77, puts it right next to last year's best picture winner, Nomadland. That makes that makes perfect exact same score. sense. <laughs> that, that makes a lot of sense. These those two movies, uh, they're very different, but also not that different. Yeah, and it's funny. I also kind of bashed Tom Holland, saying he's a wannabe Benedict Cumberbatch. We look down at The Devil All the Time with a seventy six and a half, half a point lower. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, I I liked this movie. Less than those with my, you know, on my score. Um, this has the lowest of those three, but I, they're they're slow burn movies. They tell a story and and it happens. This one, this one's unique. I I will say it's a unique film in the way everything happens, and it's unlike any other movie, which is a hundred percent why it's getting the critical love. Yeah, and like, would I be upset if it won Best Picture? No, I mean. I haven't, I mean, well, see, here's the thing. I was, I was about to say, I haven't seen a movie that's better than this, I guess, in the Oscar season. I, in, According to our scale, I have. But our scale is, is weighted towards other things. Have I seen a movie that's more, quote-unquote, award-winning than this in the last, you know, 12 months, whatever it is? Like, we, we look at the list of movies that we've rated above it. Um, Spider-Man No Way Home, that's not going to win an Oscar. It's just not. Like, 
and as much as I love that movie, like I can also acknowledge it's not an Oscar winning movie. I mean, it, it's, it's fan service. It's a great fucking time. Um, you know, Shang-Chi, yeah. same thing. I mean, that honestly probably would be more deserving of Academy Award than Spider-Man No Way Home. We gave it a lower score, but that's still never going to be, you know, nominated for it. Um, mm-hmm. Mitchell's versus the machines. Um, that's our next highest of the last year. I don't think that's going to, I mean, that's going to be in the best uh, animated picture, but it's, you know, in that buzz, um, the suicide squad again, not going to happen. Raya, not going to happen. That might've not been this year either. Um, Encanto, not going to happen. King Richard. I mean, that's the next, you know, so right now, I mean, that's also getting buzz right now. Our best picture winner for this year is probably King Richard just being using our scale, but also being realistic on what's going to get nominated. Yeah. And looking at the ones, so like right here, I, I pulled up an article of like the predicted nominees for best picture for the Oscars. Um, the first one's Belfast. We haven't seen it. Number two is this movie, Power of the Dog. And I, I'm with you. While it doesn't like you, our scale is, is formed differently than what we you know like an Oscar winning type scale. Um, outside of that, Dune is third, which really is is surprising to me. Um, but I get it for the scale and everything and, and the visuals and, and the story they were trying to tell, I guess, um, West side story that feels like, you know, that's going to be up there down at seventh is King Richard. And then next week, next week's movie, um, at number nine, tick, tick, boom, the movie you already watched. Spoiler alert. Liked it more than this. Wait, so I don't know if my score will be better. My enjoyment will be better. Um, so that's number nine. So we got to get quick on this, Ty. So I'm going to look at, are you on, um, oh, this is last year. Hold on. I'm on Variety. It's an article by Variety and predicting best picture awards and all that kind of shit. Okay. I'm on a, the no LA time Times. to die. No time to die is number 10th. We saw that. Um, I'm on the Surprising LA times edition. right here. They have uh, okay. in to number one. This is for animated in to number one. Luca number two, the Mitchells versus the Machines number three. I just disagree with that. Um, but let's uh, scroll down. They have Raya all the way down at fourteenth. Oh, below you. Sing Two, Viva, Where Is Anne Frank, The Summon of the Gods, Ron's Gone. That's that don't make no sense. No, way it's way better than Luca. <laughs> Luca fucking sucked. Okay, um, what do we give? What do we give Luca? I think a seventy-seven. The same score as this. <laughs> Oh fuck! We did. <laughs> um, okay, so okay, these are based on votes. They had like writers, I guess, vote for it, or like their film, or different. Okay, different critics that they had vote, like different outlets and whatnot, and like put together a list to get points or whatever, kind of like MVP voting. Okay. Their list: number one, The Power of the Dog; number two, Belfast; number three, Licorice Pizza, which is out right now, I believe. Is that streaming? Um, super limited release theaters. I think I, I really don't know how to find it, but I do want to review that at some point. Number four, the tragedy of Macbeth. I don't know if we're going to watch that. Number five, drive my car. Never heard of that. Number six, Mm -hmm. King Richard. Number seven, parallel mothers. Number eight, nightmare alley. Number nine, the worst person in the world. Number 10, Dune. 15, West side story. They don't even have a tick, tick, boom on here, Ty. Okay. I think we got to scratch it. I mean, I already watched it. We got to review it. <laughs> um, I already put it in the prep. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so tick, tick, boom next week. Um, before we go, though, there's two more things we got to touch on. First, Armin White's review. Um, he gave this a rotten. 
Um, of course he did because it's uh, a fresh movie. He did give Red Rocket a fresh, which has an 87, and that's actually getting like some sort of buzz. Um, he also gave Drive My Car, a movie I just mentioned, a rotten, The Lost Daughter. I think I mentioned that. Rotten, West Side Story, Rotten, Tick, Tick, Boom, Rotten. So he's on his annual Belfast, Rotten. Um, he's on his annual, um, just let me give every, you know, best picture potential winning movie a Rotten. Um, it's fucking hilarious. He gave this a Rotten, though. Um, Go ahead. Sorry. Just looking at Drive My Car, uh-huh. it's aggressively uh, Asian cast and, like, Asian poster. I believe this is going to be a foreign film. Uh, I don't know. This looks like it's going to be a sub movie, kind of like Parasite was, if it does win. Yeah, it's a, a Japanese drama film. Three hours long. Jesus. Oh, fuck. Um, but he gave this a Rotten. Um, his review on Rotten Tomatoes, just the, the one sentence, is Campion, that's the director, Campion's incongruous plot twists can pass for a profundity, profundity, in an era ignorant of both American history and film history. Again, what does that even mean? And what plot twist? Like, there's there's one? I guess you, the kid killing him is a plot twist, kind of. Yeah. But he, also, like, he's, he very much used, yeah, plural there. That, that There's no, there's not multiple twists. And uh, just reading some of his review, um, well, first he bashes her old work, because I guess she's, like, a well-known act, uh, director. Um, yeah. So, this time, Campione adds a religious, in fact, heretical, gloss to her fakery with her film's title, which appropriates a biblical quote. Um, this is a book, brother. This is not a, you know, she didn't um, make this. Um, but she uses a secular metric for each character. This would be the ultimate example of moral hypocrisy, except that Campione finds morality nowhere. The Burbank brothers, that's, you know, the two main characters... Maybe not Maine, but their kin, their employees, visiting business people and politicians and nearby Indians occupy a godless world. They're all passing uh, enigmas or cliches. Take your pick. I don't even know what that means. Um, uh, yeah, I don't. And he comments on the two gay characters, of course. Um, he uh, he just doesn't realize this is written after a book. And again, I would love to interview the guy. I'd love to have him on. He just he seems like he just like doesn't do any research before writing. Like he just doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> and then just randers, you know, fucking rambles on about random shit and just like, Oh, fucking society. And, blah, blah, blah. and it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's the guy that like complains like, man, this and this makes everything political, man, this makes everything political. Why does everything have to be political sending their political messages? But then like, somehow turns this into a fucking like liberal god you know because based on his don't look up review it seems like he thinks every fucking liberal is atheist so that's probably where he's going at here i don't know he's he's trying to be like the you know the tucker carlson of movie reviews i guess (laughs) he was definitely a big time um just like when when athletes are speaking out about stuff big time shut up and and dribble the ball type person 100 percent. yes but as a film critic he's allowed to talk politics because Athletes don't have a good like their their opinion doesn't matter, but film critics we gotta listen to them. Hundred percent. No, yeah, for sure. Um, he did get kicked out of the New York Films Critics um, Circle, so just want to point that good. out. Twenty fourteen. I'm glad. Oh, he's a I'm lecturer. Where does he go? Where does he teach? I'm on his LinkedIn. Should I connect with him on LinkedIn? 
do it. Let's see. Um, Does he teach somewhere? I'm I'm looking right now. Is he like a fully like on staff professor? I don't know. It says film critic, author, lecturer, National Review, Out Magazine. That's all it says. Interesting. I fucking hate this guy. He went to Columbia. Okay. I don't know if he teaches there. I can't connect with him. He made his LinkedIn where I have to like follow him. Should I message him and be like, hey, your film reviews suck? <laughs> yeah, just get on him. Oh, wait. I just connected. Let me... Uh... He, so I went to connect. It says Armand. His name is Armand with a D. We call him Armand. Armand prefers to be followed. Follow Armand to see their post or send a message instead. We encourage you to connect with only people you know. I'm still going to try to connect with him. Send. <laughs> see if he gets back. I'll, I'll update next podcast, Ty. I love that. I can't fucking wait. Um, random Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> movie score to uh, cap us off. A movie that is similar but couldn't be any more different, Ty. Of course, it's a dog-related movie. I've done dog-related movies before. I believe I did Dog's Purpose once. Um, I know I haven't done this one, though. And that is the film, 1997, PG, hour 37 minutes, Disney's Air Bud. Oh, fuck yeah. It has 22 um, reviews. That's it. <laughs> so if you want to oh, try to do okay. your math that you'd use. Yeah, let's, let's, let's look at this here. 22 reviews. Let's pull up the calculator. <laughs> um, so that if there's 22 reviews, you got to figure each review – is worth approximately like what? Did I do that math right? Wrong. Two percent? No, that can't be right. <laughs> One hundred divided by twenty-two is four point five. No, I flipped them. I flipped them. I've been. I'm, I'm rusty. <laughs> four point five. Okay, so we're basically jumping it by five here. So it's either going to be like a five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five, thirty, um, or does it round down? Let's let's double this. Let's see what happens. So if I hit times two on this, <laughs> Great we're radio. looking at a nine. Great fucking radio. <laughs> okay, so we're looking at a nine. So let's say if I think I'm going to say about forty percent of the people who watched this Airbud gave it a fresh because they had kids and stuff. Um, no, I'm going to go thirty-five. I'm going to go thirty-five percent of the twenty-two. Um, so we're going to do twenty-two times point three five. That's going to give me a 35%. That means 7.7 people gave it a fresh. (laughs) Now, if we do 8, we round up to 8 times 4.5. That gives me a final score of 36% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, you're so close. 45%, Ty. (laughs) Fuck! 45. Fuck! 10 out of 22 gave it a a fresh. (laughs) 10 out of 22. Fuck! Our logic was so good there. Um, I literally was two votes away. When have I ever been two votes away? <laughs> um, 38 audience, which I'm kind of shocked by because I thought, I don't know, I just felt like it'd have a higher audience score, but I guess not. No, it's big time just like a shitty, my kids watch it movie. I don't think anyone actually likes it. Fair enough. Um, next week, Tick, Tick, Boom. Tyler's already seen it. I need to see it still. We'll be reviewing it. Um, go check out sports yep. if you haven't already within the line sports, NFL playoff season. Um, that's all I got for you, Ty. Yeah, um, Lynn Manuel Miranda directed movie, Andrew Garfield, another Spider Man. Two weeks in a row, we're gonna have people from Spider Man, yep. No Way Home. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Great spoiler, Ty. <laughs> like, what if someone hasn't seen Spider Man yet? Again, I've told you this. Spoilers carry over. If I say spoiler four episodes ago, I assume people are listening to all of them. I <laughs> Good apologize. Point. Good point. 
spoilers are consistent throughout this pod. Should we tell Brandon to just jump to the end of this podcast since he still hasn't seen it? It'd be fucking great. It'd be fucking fantastic. Um, I'm excited to talk about that movie for sure. Um, this movie, we'll, we'll be hearing more about this movie come Oscar season. I'm going to call it a lock for a nomination. I won't call it a lock for a win, but lock for a nomination. Agreed. All right. In the meantime, be a good friend, everybody. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.